1: We're going to be the first on everything. In number of deaths of coronavirus, in number of people unemployed, it's really scary.
2: From Futuro Media, it's Latino USA. I'm Maria Inojosa. Brazil recorded its first death from COVID-19 on March 17th. Much later than places like New York City and hard hit areas in Italy and Wuhan, China, where early on the pandemic overwhelmed hospitals and healthcare facilities. But despite the late arrival of the coronavirus, as of mid-June, Brazil was registering over 850,000 cases and it had jumped to the second spot in the list for the highest death toll in the world, right behind the United States. Jair Bolsonaro, the country's right wing nationalist president, has dismissed the threat posed by the virus from the very beginning. Back in early May, he was asked by journalists about the rising death toll. In response,
3: lamento que faço que eu sou Messias, but não faço milagre.
2: He simply answered, So what? What do you want me to do about it? The epicenter of the virus in Brazil is the state of Sao Paulo, which has about one fourth of all cases and deaths. Journalist Gisele Regatao lives in New York City, but she's originally from the city of Sao Paulo, which has been struggling to find an effective response to the pandemic.
1: So what I think we're seeing in Brazil is really the consequence of what happens when government decisions don't take science into account.
2: She's been following this story for us. And Giseli comes back on the show today to talk about her reporting and what she's uncovered. Giseli Regatau, welcome back to Latino USA.
1: Good to be back, Maria. So, Giseli,
2: we're speaking about Brazil, which is where you're from. And I'm sure it must have been a shock, I imagine, when you realized now that Brazil has become one of the epicenters of the coronavirus. So how does this happen to Brazil?
1: Absolutely, it's really shocking. And as I did my reporting, I learned it is basically a combination of three factors. One, there's a lack of testing in Brazil, which is something other countries also had an issue with. The second issue is there is a non-compliance to isolation, to shelter in place policies. And that happens because, one, many people have to go to work in Brazil to be able to feed their families. Also, many people live in crowded houses, and there's often four or six people in one room, so it's hard to isolate. And there are many people in Brazil who don't believe coronavirus is a serious issue. And that gets us to the third factor, that's President Jair Bolsonaro. A
3: president at odds with his advisors and scientists over COVID-19.
1: The fact that many people don't believe it's a serious issue, it's in part because of him. The efeito
3: colateral do combate ao vírus.
1: So basically what Jair Bolsonaro is saying here is that the remedy to fight
3: coronavirus.
1: Can't be worse than the
2: sickness. It sounds like the worst possible situation, lack of testing, a basic kind of resistance to this notion of staying inside and then not being able to social distance because of just reality. And then you've got a president who is basically saying, maybe it's not so serious after all. Um, But let's start with number one. We're going to go through these. So the lack of testing, you know, I remember here in, in New York City, right, the epicenter, where we over and over and over, we heard about the lack of testing. And I think a lot of people were saying, well, we're, you know, we're supposedly like an advanced country. How come we don't have tests? So Brazil is an incredibly advanced country. They kind of saw that this was happening. So why is there now this lack of testing in Brazil?
1: Yeah, I think like in other countries, um, Maria, as you mentioned, it's not clear how that happened. But what is happening is that particularly for the first two months of the pandemic, basically only people who were being admitted to the hospital were being tested. I interviewed a professor in the Department of Medicine at the University of Sao Paulo in Ribeirão Preto, that's another city in the state of Sao Paulo. His name is Domingos Alves. He's an expert on statistics, and he's been monitoring the numbers of coronavirus really closely. So in the beginning of June, the official number of cases of coronavirus in Brazil was more than 600,000 cases. But Domingos Alves estimates that the real number is more than 10 times that, so more than 6 million people.
3: O, hoje, é, as é o foco de no mundo inteiro.
1: Basically, what he told me is that Brazil today, according to his estimates, is the main focus of the pandemic in the whole world.
2: So I just need to stop right there, because this is a number that is Extraordinary. Yes. You're saying that you have somebody who believes through his own kind of research and scientific information that the number of cases of COVID in Brazil is closer to six million. That, 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 that just feels like an insurmountable number.
1: It's really bad. And in terms of deaths, uh, Domingos Alves says the, the official numbers represent just 60% of what he estimates are the real number of deaths in Brazil. He told me, Maria, that Brazil has a curve uh, on coronavirus cases different than any other country.
3: From the fifth day on, for instance, Brazil is the country with the highest growth rate of confirmed cases and confirmed deaths.
1: I interviewed him mostly in Portuguese, but he also spoke a little English. But here he's telling me that in day 50, after the first case in each country, most countries' curves were going flat or starting to go down. What he's saying is that in Brazil, after day 50, the curve was still going up. And is that because...
2: There really wasn't this kind of national response, closing down, social distancing, etc. Is that why?
1: Yes. The lack of isolation has been a big factor in Brazil, the lack of testing as well, because people don't even know who is infected, right? But in terms of the isolation problem, Maria, overall, Brazil's isolation rate, which is something that uh, the cities in Brazil and states have been measuring um, and releasing that number is not something I've seen in other countries. But on average, it just got about to 50%. And when you take into consideration the number of beds in hospitals and the number of cases in Brazil, that number should have been at least 70 percent.
2: Well, now, by some measures, if you think about it, Brazil is about as big as the United States geographically. And people may forget about that. It's also the most populous country in Latin America. I mean, it's vast, it's large, it's diverse. So it's really hard to generalize. From your reporting, Gisele, how are people in Brazil coping with the spread of the coronavirus?
1: It's been very hard for a lot of people. One of the people I spoke with, her name is Lili Silva. She's 58 years old, and she told me she was going through a very hard time. She had lost her job at the start of the pandemic and was basically being supported by her siblings. And Lily lives in Brasilândia in the extreme north of the city of São Paulo. And that's the neighborhood where most deaths have been registered in the city. I was really struck by what she told me here that every day she gets a call and people say "Sabe a mãe do ah, meu Do you remember such and such's mom? She died." I think you can hear in her voice, Maria, how um, kind of hopeless she feels. Yeah. She said death is something that she's hearing a lot about. A lot.
2: So some skeptics might say, well, you know, that happens. um, How can we be sure that these deaths are confirmed as people who were impacted by COVID-19?
1: A lot of them are not. Lily Silva told me that nobody really gets tested in her neighborhood, that she only hears about people getting tested when they are admitted to the hospital. In the city of São Paulo, there are about 5,000 deaths of coronavirus, but the city is also releasing, next to that number, a number of suspected cases. And the suspected deaths, it's almost another 5,000. Um, and, you know, Brasilândia is being so badly affected because it is a poor neighborhood and most people there are essential workers.
3: In so we'll our we'll home office, we'll
1: here, Maria, she's talking about this issue of the lack of isolation. What she said to me was, there isn't such a thing as home office in our neighborhood. People here work as maids, construction workers, they are bus drivers, security guards, they work as supermarkets. Those are the people who did not stop working because of the pandemic. Brazil is a country with a huge income disparity. And so there is a big difference about how the middle-class neighborhoods are living and how poor areas are living.
2: So here in the United States, there's been this, you know, reawakening uh, around the issue of police brutality. And that has really focused in on the question of people of color, of health disparities, and really of structural racism. So I'm wondering... What is the conversation now in Brazil in terms of the impact of COVID-19 specifically on the issue of race, for example, on black and indigenous communities?
1: It's a very similar conversation that is happening in the U.S., meaning what coronavirus is really showing is that there's a huge disparity. There's a big inequality in Brazil and even much bigger than in the U.S., so, for example, more than half of Brazilians identify as black or brown, and they have been heavily affected by COVID. About one-third of the deaths in Brazil have been of black or brown Brazilians, and many indigenous communities have also been affected. Indigenous communities in Brazil live mostly in remote areas of the country, in the Amazon, in areas where it's far from hospitals. So they are isolated, they are more vulnerable and they have less access to resources. And there have been reports, not only of several deaths in indigenous communities, but of deaths of leaders of indigenous communities. So people with very important roles in their communities losing their lives to COVID-19.
2: Coming up on Latino USA, we take a look at the impact that President Jair Bolsonaro's response to the virus has had on his supporters and on the country. The denial of Bolsonaro's supporters are so strong, like almost a religion. Stay with us. No te vayas.
0: Support for Latino USA comes from Odoo. If you feel like you're wasting time and money with your current business software or just want to know what you could be missing, then you need to join the millions of other users who switched to Odoo. Odoo is the affordable all-in-one management software with a library of fully integrated business applications that help you get more done in less time for a fraction of the price. To learn more, visit odoo.com latino. That's O D O dot latino.
2: We're back. And before the break, Brazilian reporter Gisele Regatao was telling us about the factors that have pushed Brazil to the top of the list of coronavirus cases worldwide. We're going to continue that conversation now with Gisele. So basically, as we're kind of talking about the challenges that Brazil is facing, there were three factors, right? And we've talked about two of them. The uh, lack of testing and the fact that it's really been a challenge to do social distancing. So the third issue, this brings up the president, Jair Bolsonaro. So how has this president uh, kind of contributed to the spread of the virus in Brazil?
1: I mentioned earlier he's been dismissive about the pandemic, which other leaders have done as well at the beginning. You know, so he would say things like.
3: Ou seria, quando muito acometido de uma gripezinha.
1: Oh, this is just a little flu. It's nothing to worry about. His supporters held rallies. Supporters
2: of President Jair Bolsonaro descended again on the capital, Brasilia, to defend their
1: battered leader and demand an end to all lockdown measures. <laughs> and he's going out and he's coughing a lot and he's shaking hands with uh, his supporters and, and taking pictures and selfies. So he did things like that, that are not only like directly dismissing it, but also symbolically dismissing it. But there are other factors. Bolsonaro had made cuts already to the public health system. He also ended up delaying the pandemic funding to cities and states. And for many people, he's larger than life. So what means to be a Bolsonaro supporter is often means you don't believe in science, you don't believe in facts.
2: So does that mean that because the president seems to not necessarily be responding in an emergency kind of attitude, does that mean that Bolsonaro supporters don't believe that uh, coronavirus is, in fact, a serious threat?
1: Many of them don't. Um, I interviewed a pediatrician. Her name is Janaína Miranda. She works at a public health clinic in the inner city of Sao Paulo. So what happened in her family, her uncle, who was 76 years old, he got COVID and he died. As soon as she learned that her uncle had been admitted to the hospital with COVID, because she's a doctor, she asked that other family members be tested. And her uncle's wife, she refused to do the test. My aunt is a Bolsonaro supporter. I spoke to Janaína a little bit in Portuguese and a little bit in English. And she doesn't believe in, in the science.
2: The denial of Bolsonaro's supporters are so strong like almost a religion.
1: She told me that actually even a few days after her uncle had died, the family had a gathering for Mother's Day as if nothing had happened. Janaína Maria is also a cancer survivor. She had breast cancer about 10 years ago. And at her clinic where she works, there is no protective equipment. She had to buy all of it herself, like gloves, masks, face shields. She told me she fears for her own life. I'm
2: scared and I'm anxious because the death is possible. let's talk a little bit about the politics of COVID-19 and leadership. Um, You know, President Trump has been roundly criticized for not having a science-based response to the pandemic. So I'm wondering what has the response been to Bolsonaro in Brazil?
1: Most Brazilians do not support how he's handling coronavirus. And most Brazilians also do not support how he's handling the government overall. And there are several calls for his impeachment. But it's interesting, when asked about impeachment, Brazilians are split. Regarding his relationship with President Trump, um, it's also interesting, Jair Bolsonaro had a dinner with Trump at Mar-a-Lago in early March. At that time, Trump talked about how much he liked Bolsonaro.
3: Brazil loves him, and the USA loves him. Great job
1: and how strong their relationship was.
3: The friendship is probably stronger now than it's ever been.
1: Ironically, just after that visit, several people in Bolsonaro's entourage tested positive for COVID.
0: Concerns in D.C. this morning as well, after President Trump was exposed to the coronavirus.
3: We had dinner together and Florida.
0: Sources say the president is
1: indeed concerned about his proximity over the weekend to Brazilian President Jair Bolsonaro. And the latest is, of course, that Trump did place a travel ban on people coming from Brazil. So I would say right now their relationship is very low priority for the U.S.
2: So the irony is that Brazil has universal health care, and it seems to have worked in the past during other health crises.
1: Yes. Um, Brazil's public health system covers the majority of the population. Uh, when the AIDS pandemic happened there, for example, in the 90s, Brazil offered free treatment. In 2013, Brazil expanded health care to poor areas, bringing doctors from Cuba. And when the Zika outbreak happened in 2014, Brazil created genetically modified mosquitoes to eliminate the spread of that epidemic. I asked Domingos Alves, the professor at University of São Paulo, about this.
3: The country missed the opportunity to be an example in fighting the epidemic.
1: And he says the failure in the response of the pandemic is a huge departure for Brazil.
3: It is one of the few countries in the world with a universal coverage health system. The government ignored this network.
1: So, Brazil is one of the few countries with a universal healthcare system that reaches out to 70% of the population. It's a huge network. And he says the government basically ignored that network.
2: So, people might suddenly feel quite dismally about Brazil, I mean, this is a really difficult picture that you're painting for us, Gisele. So what about the future? Are you concerned about where the country's gonna go in a negative way?
1: I'm very concerned. I wish I had better news. Most countries started reopening their economies once they got the numbers, the curve of coronavirus infections, either flat or down. But in Brazil, the numbers are still going up. In most cities and states, started reopening in early June. So that means shopping malls are open, car dealerships are open. In Rio, even bar, restaurants, and churches are open. There are images of people standing in line to get into shopping malls. So the expectation is that the numbers are still going to go up before they go down. In fact, we're now in mid-June, and Brazil is number one in the whole world in number of daily deaths from coronavirus. I asked Domingos Alves about the decision of cities and states to reopen their economies, and here's what he told me.
3: Os gestores, eles Que essa abertura ela é
1: inteligente. You can hear how livid he is in this answer. He told me public officials are going out there and they're telling people that this opening is based on scientific evidence. É mentira. It's a lie. That really says a lot about what's going on in Brazil. When you don't believe in facts, when you don't believe in science, that's what happens.
2: Gisele Regatau, thank you so much for bringing us up to date in terms of what's happening with Brazil.
1: My pleasure, Maria.
2: As of late June, Brazil was reporting over one million cases of COVID-19 and more than 50,000 deaths. Recently, allies of Jair Bolsonaro have even threatened a military intervention in order to help him consolidate power. In the meantime, a judge ruled that the Brazilian president will be fined if he doesn't wear a mask when appearing in public in the country's capital. This episode was produced by Giselle Regatao with help from Luis Trez and edited by Sofia Palizaca. The Latino USA team includes Miguel Macias, Antonia Serejido, Janice Yamoka, Chini Montalvo, Alicia Escarce and Alejandra Salazar with help from Raul Perez. Our engineers are Stephanie Lebeau and Julia Caruso. Additional engineering this week by Leah Shaw. Our director of programming and operations is Natalia Fidelholz. Our digital editor is Amanda Alcantara. Our New York Women's Foundation Ignite fellow is Julia Rocha. Our interns are Sofia Sanchez and Marie Mendoza. Our theme music was composed by Zenia Rubinos. If you like the music you heard on this episode, stop by latinousa.org and check out our weekly Spotify playlist. I'm your host and executive producer, Maria Hinojosa. Join us again next time. And in the meantime, look for us on all of your social media and stay safe. Obrigada and achilogo.
0: Latino USA is made possible in part by The Annie E. Casey Foundation creates a brighter future for the nation's children by strengthening families, building greater economic opportunity, and transforming communities. Carnegie Corporation, promoting the advancement and diffusion of knowledge and understanding. And Funding for Latino USA's coverage of a culture of health is made possible in part by a grant from the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation.
1: You can probably understand, right, Maria?
2: Eu acho que eu falo, mas eu não falo nada. Olha
1: só, olha só, fala assim. From PRS.